your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Monday of Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785-7914. On the phone with me this hour is Lacrosse County District Attorney Tim Grinke. If you got questions about anything, Tim will try to answer them. Anything, right, Tim? Everything's on the table? Pretty much anything. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, although you weren't you weren't really privy to the Eli Lilly and the fake Twitter and the and the billions do, billions of dollars lost on the stock market when I asked you that earlier. Um, oh, so, well, you can ask me anything. I might not know the answer. Yeah, you, but you, you can, can ask me anything. Yeah, uh, all right. So some of the things, uh, and I'll just say he's the Lacrosse County District Attorney. I think 14 years you've been doing that, and then probably some time before that you were doing stuff not as the District Attorney, right? Yeah, I've been a prosecutor for. 20-some years. Is there enough of you guys in the state? Like, do you, do you, offer, do you have enough help, I should say? Um, we have a lot of openings right now. I think the positions we have is getting to be adequate, but we have a lot of openings right now. So right now the bigger problem is recruiting and retention. But as far as positions go, I think, I think we're doing better. All right. Um, some of the things we want to talk about, elections, election fraud. Obviously, we had the midterms just ending. Uh, the community, Lacrosse County, is still trying to put together or talking about trying to put together a, what do you want to call this, Tim, a, a police board? Police, yeah, police committee or police board, yeah. A community police board, or maybe it's a, maybe it's a mixture of community. Well, I guess everyone's in the community, right? Um, I still, we still have... Well, I have this this chart that you gave me some years ago, the 2018 racial disparities and arrest rates. Um, and I was looking at that policing page. I just sent you a link for, to that a little bit ago. Yep. Um, I don't know if there's race in the in, on that page. I can't see there is there is makeup of the police force, but not not so much um, arrests and and who we arrested. So I don't know if that that helps. But racial disparities in policing uh, might be another thing. Uh, we have a new sheriff, so I don't know. We could talk about that a little bit. And last time you were on, Tim, let's just do this real quick. Last time you were on, you talked about the Daryl Brooks case, the the parade, the guy who ran over a bunch of people yep. at the in Waukesha at a Christmas parade. Um, and you kind of called this. You didn't call that he was going to do what he did in court, where he's like, uh, what is he? He's taking his shirt off, and he's, I, I don't know, he's just very... Very odd behavior from what I've seen. I don't. You, have you seen stuff like that in court before? Um, maybe to not to not to the extreme, but there's yeah. Unfortunately, there are times when people get out of control in a courtroom um, and either act out or um, they have a mental illness, and what they're saying isn't making sense or emotional outburst. That that has happened. Yeah. Did you watch this case at all, or were you, did you read about it after the fact? Um, I watched some of it. I was able to watch some of it, and uh, yeah, I followed the kind of later parts of it where the verdict came in. And uh, yeah, it, it had to be difficult for everybody there—the victims of the uh, families of the victims, and uh, everybody in the courtroom trying to kind of maintain order when it's, it's just kind of a circus at some points. It had to be difficult for them to go through. Yeah, because when I say you called it, well, the, this guy is acting out. He's doing a lot of weird things because he's uh, pro- not prosecuting himself, representing himself, right? He's his own yeah. lawyer, and therefore, it, because uh, the if he had a lawyer, he'd probably just sit there quietly with his head down most of the time, right? 
Yeah, I mean, usually the, a lawyer helps uh, keep people under control. Not always, but usually. Um, and it's one of the things in our system that, on the one hand, you have a right to an attorney, but you also have a right to represent yourself. And if you're competent and you decide to represent yourself, it usually doesn't go very well because you're not schooled in the rules of evidence and the judge can't help you. So you could kind of see some of those problems coming, but uh, under the Constitution, he has the right to do that. Um, it's, I think one of the things in our system we're really not sure what to do with because he's got a right to represent himself, but it almost turns the court into um, you know, almost a mockery of what we're supposed to be doing. It's a lot of side issues, um, a lot of frustrations. So it's kind of sad that that has to happen, but I don't know if the judge in that case had much of a choice. Yeah, because in this regard, you, you, you talk about the victims. If the victims are watching or the victims are in the courtroom, they're listening to this guy represent himself he's also the guy that just killed people in your family and stuff like that so uh that makes it like very uncomfortable and and awful really um oh a couple other things on the list is legalizing marijuana i think uh wisconsin we haven't really talked about that at all as a state uh there's been some i would say some like fake attempts to do that right before an election uh as the legislature gaveled out of session months and months and months ago um, but Minnesota across the border here, across the Mississippi River, Minnesota is is more than I would say. I would say there's a high percentage that Minnesota legalizes recreational marijuana now that Democrats have taken control of the government. So we could talk about some of the I don't know if it's problems that might arise from that, or or just maybe 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 it moves change. But I guess it, from your perspective, it would be problems, right? Well, it. it... <clears throat> you run the issue where if something is legal across the border and people come into Wisconsin, not everybody's going to know the difference between laws. And <clears throat> so you have people that are caught in Wisconsin with marijuana and they say, well, I just bought it, you know, just across that bridge. You know, what's the big deal? And it just becomes a little bit less of a, a bigger problem for the police to try to enforce something illegal here when it's legal somewhere else. Right. And you have that issue with, Marijuana, you maybe have that issue with certain types of traffic infractions where every state's got a little bit different, you know, you have to have a front license plate or a different number of taillights or tinted windows. So it's tougher to prosecute when there's inconsistency among the states, especially when it's right across the border. So I can see some issues coming up with trying to keep enforcing that here. All right. That's Lacrosse County District Attorney Tim Grickey. He's going to stick with us this hour. We'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line if you want to get in here. Lacrosse County District Attorney Tim Grinke is in here. We're, we're diving into the numbers here. But um, before before we get to that, Tim, uh, we have a new sheriff. Well, unless there's a recount, and there could be, uh, Fritz Leinfelder might request, and I think, I think he will request a recount. I think he lost by 175 votes. But we haven't really talked about the fact that there will be a new sheriff in town, it's always it's really hard not to say there's a new sheriff and not add in town, but yeah. Right. <laughs> but uh, whether it's John Siegel or Fritz Leinfelder, what what happens when there's a new sheriff with the, the Lacrosse County District Attorney? What what goes on there? The relationship. Um, well, in this case, I think since both of them are in the department now, and both of them work pretty closely and pretty well with us in our department, I don't see a lot of changes. But um, if either of them. Uh, should it be John Siegel or if a recount happens, if it's Fritz Leinfelder, um, if either of them want to change any policies, uh, change how we communicate with each other, um, anything like that, you know, we'll have a discussion about that. Just like when a new police chief comes aboard 
in any one of the municipalities. Um, in this case, I think both of them um, have been working long enough in the department and, and know us to know that it's, I don't see anything too drastic, but it's just a matter of kind of um, anytime you get a new boss in any job, you know, what are your priorities? Are there going to be any changes? Is there anything that we need to, you know, focus on or work on? And so I would guess that would be the conversation that we would have. I, I don't know if there's anything real big to be changed, um, but we'll see. Yeah, and he, yeah, with changes that even the, the the sheriff's department might focus in on something, and they may want to clue you in on it because you might have to get up to speed on something, I suppose. Correct. Yeah, I think it could be something as simple as how they're doing their reports or how they're entering data to a different priority in terms of crimes they want to address or a different way of handling a problem. Um, and that happens all the time anyways, but when there's a new change in leadership, I think anywhere, um, you They'll sit down, I'm sure, and talk with us about how that might affect us or how it might affect the rest of the system. And I would say, and maybe you have an opinion here, La Crosse County is pretty lucky. We have two guys that have been in the sheriff's department for, I believe, around or over 20 years. And and maybe not all counties are like that because this is an elected position. I don't think there are any real qualifications to run for sheriff, uh, except that the voters could look at your qualifications and go, eh, maybe you shouldn't be sheriff. But we have two guys here that have been in the the sheriff's office for 20 some years. So we're, we're, I, w- I would, I would say we're probably pretty lucky, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not a situation where someone's coming in from the outside thinking there needs to be some major overhaul or change or restructuring. I, I think both of them, like I said, uh, are in the investigation uh, department now and have worked with me and cases for years. And so I, I think we, they know the system pretty well. They know the department pretty well. And I, I don't think there's anything, um, too drastic that would change regardless of what happens in the next couple of days. I want to kind of combine these. The thing that I talked about right before the break, uh, Minnesota probably going towards full legalization of marijuana recreationally, um, and that being obviously right over the border, to, uh, over the Mississippi. Uh, in the city of La Crosse, what is it, 0.25 grams or point oh? What is the – it's a dollar fine if you're caught with less than or – what? do you remember the amount? Uh, I'm blanking on the amount, but, uh, yeah, it's a dollar fine in the municipal court. Um, in and the city municipal court. And I don't know why we use grams because nobody knows how much a gram is. Why can't we use, uh, you know, <laughs> pounds or ounces or something like that? If you told me how many ounces it was, I'd figure it out a little bit easier. But um, it's a dollar fine and it's a minute. Like, I don't know. Is it a minuscule amount? I have no idea. Even if you told me how much, how much, how many ounces of, of weed I was caught with, I'm not even sure. Is it like a handful of weed, a, a little baggie of weed? Do you even know that? I, I know it's <laughs> what we would call personal use versus someone who might be selling it. So. Yeah. Um, not a lot, uh, and I think um, most people in Wisconsin, I know all the surveys that I've seen have said that most people in Wisconsin would like to legalize marijuana, at least medicinally, if not recreationally, and I'm not sure if our legislature is going to look at that. Um, I hope so, because it is getting to be where all the states around us have legalized it, and it's getting harder to justify keeping it illegal and spending the resources to try to control that if people from out of their states are going to be carrying it into the state legally. Yep. So I, I hope they take a look at it. Yeah, because the way the city does this, if you're, you're caught with personal use marijuana, it's a dollar fine. And I don't know if you, you get caught with that 100 times if that changes. Do you know that? What if you're caught 50 times in, in a month or every day for, I, I don't know, it'd be a weird, a weird thing, but is there a amount, amount of times you could be caught do, with that and then and maybe get in more trouble? I don't think there's an amount of times you get caught. 
I would say if you're getting caught that often by police, there's something wrong with your lifestyle and your habits. But um, I don't think there's a, a maximum amount to be caught with. Yeah, because obviously they're 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 catching you doing something else. Because yeah, usually. Because if you're because you can't like open carry weed, right? There's not that you can't right. do that. Um, but but with the new sheriff, uh, the La Crosse County Sheriff's Department had both candidates at the at when they were running for sheriff. You know, they they kind of both said, you know, we have better things to worry about. What would it take for the county to do something similar to what the city would do? And then, therefore, the sheriff's department doesn't really have to worry about wheat. Well, we haven't we haven't gotten a county ordinance for marijuana, um, so that would be one thing they could do. Um, another could be just the priorities of the sheriff's department, and I think they already do kind of minimize their focus on marijuana. I mean, they're not like going out looking for people to arrest for it. It's usually something you come into contact with somebody when there's something else illegal going on. Um, so I think it's already been deprioritized. Um, and I think, honestly, what most people are hoping is that as a state, they look at it and, and make it uniform across the state instead of every municipality having their own kind of rules on it. Right. Yeah, it might be a waste of time. Hey, state, let's go. Uh, you're gonna, you can meet in an extraordinary session right now. Uh, libertarian guy has a question in this regard, and I don't know. Well, if you know the answer, you know the answer. Uh, he says, since marijuana remains an illegal substance at the federal level, how does Minnesota or other states, for that matter, reconcile the differences between federal versus state law? Yeah, so uh, Colorado has this problem, and Minnesota will if they decide to legalize it. Um, basically, the state uh, officers just aren't enforcing federal law. Uh, they don't have the jurisdiction to do that. So if it's very low levels of marijuana, the federal agencies aren't looking at it, and the state agencies are just not enforcing the federal law. So that's how they, I guess, get around that, if you want to say. And President Joe Biden just did something with that a couple months ago, I mean, maybe about a month ago, with uh, decriminalizing uh, or, or, or something with along with, uh, like, if you were busted federally with marijuana. Well, I, I'm like, did he pardon people that had yeah, it was something like that. convictions? And it wasn't, that many, it wasn't that many people. I just, off the top of my head, I can't remember. Um, but the, but that doesn't solve the problem either. It's a libertarian guy's point, kind of pointing out a, another yeah. another like hiccup in all of this. Right, um, the federal government would need to put marijuana in a different schedule uh, of drug or legalize it one or the other, and they haven't done that yet. So that is another yeah hiccup that seems to be. I think it's all moving in that direction. It seems to be around the country, but not everybody's on the same page yet. Yeah, the state legislature, some, a couple of Republicans in the state legislature, right before they gaveled out of session, or not gavel, but they, they adjourned for session for the year back in March. might have been right after that, because then they are not in session, they don't have to do this. Um, they, they did hold a committee meeting on legalizing like medical marijuana, or maybe it was recreational. Um, but it was something that they said, eh, and maybe we'll do that next year. <laughs> so it wasn't yeah. even, it was just kind of a slap in the face to anyone that, that cares about this stuff. And I would say law enforcement probably does care about this stuff because um, if they catch people with it, to a certain extent, they have to probably do some paperwork there, and, and it would just be easier if they didn't. Right. It's, it's another one of those things that I think people would like an answer to. And I'm not sure why the legislature hasn't kind of taken that up because it. It is something that I think most people would want to have addressed, and if it were legalized, it could be then taxed to have further revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some issues to be addressed, like what do we do with maybe an increase in people using marijuana and then driving under that influence? It's harder to detect than alcohol. Um, so it's, there are some things that need to be addressed, but it just, uh, again, one of those issues that I think the legislature is a little bit behind what most people are wanting. 
Yeah, and we've and we've kind of done this a little bit with abortion too. I think uh, in Minnesota is legalized has legal abortion to an extent. Uh, Minnesota has an 1849 law, and last time, I think two times ago when you were in here, we talked about the the, the dueling laws that Wisconsin possibly has. Uh, but then, uh, you know, the, some states are battling with this, the, the people leaving the state to get an abortion, so to speak. Yeah. Another topic that, again, is probably needs to be addressed at the legislative level, and again, I hope they do next year. But yeah, Wisconsin has an 1849 law of abortion and then a 1985 law that conflict a little bit, and it's not very clear exactly what the standards are, um, at least not to me. And I I hope that the legislature would, again, listen to what the people of Wisconsin want and uh, decide what should be enforced and what shouldn't be. Uh, and last time you were on, it was obviously in the midst of an election season. Uh, what, what's your take with everything that happened? We, we're going to talk about election fraud here in a little bit, but like you, you were kind of a little bit spent like the rest of us with the uh, uh, the the attacking ads, and this is something you're probably not looking forward to in two years. Um, well, we I think we're talking about the campaign ads that were um, trying to you know paint everybody as the worst person ever, and um, talking about the um, increase in crime and promising to be tough on crime and things like that. And I was just urging people to try to ask candidates a little bit more, like, what do you really mean by that? Like, what are we really doing? As opposed to just vague notions of getting tough or addressing an issue, but what's what's the actual plan? And some of the campaigns, I think, were just a little light on that, and maybe they didn't need to get any more specific for their supporters. But um, it's frustrating. I know everyone hates seeing political ads, um, and unfortunately I think we're only two years from a presidential election, so pretty soon we'll start up with that again. Um, do, you, do you have to – do you have a – like, who do you talk to when it comes to that? Do you talk to Steve Doyle and, and Jill Billings, the, the assembly reps here, and, and Brad Paff as the state senator here, about, like, here are the priorities. Here's what you, you know, from my perspective, here's what you guys should be pushing in the state when it comes to when it comes to that fighting crime and, and, and that stuff. You know, it goes in both directions. And um, whether it's Republican or Democrat, I think the – lacrosse legislators have always been pretty good about trying to check in with the local police and DA about, you know, what do you think about this bill? What do you think about that bill? Um, sometimes either I or the police will suggest something to them to say this is an issue we think you need to look into. Other times they come to us and say this is being raised. What do you think about it? And so I, I think um, even going back in time to when, like, Dan Kapanke was a senator, um, and before that Mike Hipsch was a representative before Steve Doyle, I think they've all been pretty good about around here trying to you know get some local input on what the issues are and what we need to do what i see around other parts of the state are people just trying to make news or make political gains by proposing things that aren't very realistic um so i think we're lucky here to have some legislators that want to actually solve problems and listen to constituents instead of just kind of making political points are there are there anything is there anything that you you're like you know what this is a this is something we need to address besides what we just talked about right abortion and marijuana is there anything else uh, well yeah abortion and marijuana would be uh, two of them um, I think that there's you know always tweaks in law that that go to things like um, the penalties for some drug offenses are that are mandatory that are ending up with prison time with no options for misdemeanors is a little bit out of whack with what I think people would want. Um, funding is always an issue with things like treatment courts and mental health. Um, so issues like that affect us directly. 
and every time the state cuts back on providing services locally, it affects our criminal justice system. So some of it's those issues. Um, and sometimes bills are proposed in Madison that we might warn them, like, hey, that would be a really bad idea or that would result in problems. So um, it's usually around OWIs. Someone's trying to make OWI laws tougher, but the idea that they have is sometimes maybe counterintuitive and might result in more problems instead of less. So we try to keep an eye out on what people are proposing in Madison to decide how would that affect people here. All right, that's Lacrosse County District Attorney Tim Grinke. we got to take another break. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608 785 7914 is the talk and text line. Lacrosse County District Attorney Tim Grinke is in here. With, well, he's not in here with me, but he's on the phone with me. Uh, he's th- I think he's sitting at home in his lounger with the <laughs> reclined, right? I'm at work. I'm at work. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I made you stay. Um, all right. So I wanted to bring before I want to talk about elections and election fraud and what you've done and have done and maybe will do coming up here. But but there was a, a conviction out of Winona last week. Um, a guy named Adam Anderson. He ended up driving the wrong way on Highway 61. Uh, he was double the, double the legal limit. So he's drunk driving the wrong way, hit a car uh, and ended up. To injuring two and then killing a 20-year-old uh, Winona State student. She was from Stevens Point. He ended up getting sentenced to four years in prison uh, for that. So killing someone while double the legal limit, and I don't know if he had any, let's just say he didn't have any prior anything before that, so this is just kind of like an outlier in terms of his criminal history. Is four years a lot, and would he get the same amount in Wisconsin? It's really hard to say. Um there, there is no minimum in Wisconsin. There is a maximum of uh, 25 years in prison, with 15 of that being in custody and 10 being supervision. So, you know, it would be up to the judge, and the judge would take into factors like prior record, um, especially prior drinking and driving record, um, any treatment needs, um, what the victims would want to see, um, so it's really hard to say what that person would get without knowing more about him and more about the facts. Um, but I, I would imagine a lot of people would think four years isn't a lot for causing a death. Um, and it's, it's always a tough thing when someone causes the death of another person and it's not intentional, but something reckless or negligent or drinking or driving, it's, it's always hard to put a number on, you know, what's fair, what, what a number of years would be fair um, that's something we struggle with all the time in our system, and I think judges struggle with as well to try to balance what the public would like to see, what the victim would like to see, and, and what the offender would like to see. And um, so it's hard to say if that's a lot or not without knowing more about it. But, yeah, in Wisconsin it could be anything from probation um, with local jail time to up to 15 years in custody. If it's a first offense. This might be a better question for a judge, but you probably know the answer. How much, how much, like, digging does a judge do, or is it just, do they do they go and talk to the victims? Do they, or is this everything they, they see in court is how they decide? Uh, well, it's in court, but they do hear from victims. Um, victims usually either write something or say something or both. So the judges will get their perspective. The judges will get a report from the Department of Corrections that will go through the person's uh, history, mental health history, physical health history, um, and environment, family, prior record, um, all of that, and then anything else that would be important to the judge, uh, the facts of the case, 
um, any statements that were made by the person. Um, and so it is, you know, not always a easy number to come with because you may have some victims who want two years, some want five, some want ten, and the judge has to kind of be consistent and try to think of what's the appropriate amount to, you know, give an appropriate amount of punishment, but also not give more than what's necessary to make that point. And, I, you know, at some point, reasonable people will disagree about what the number is. Um, but that's one of the hardest things about our job and the judge's job is to try to figure out, we all agree it's bad, we all agree it's wrong, but what's the real difference between 4 and 6 or 8 and 10 or 20 or 30? What's the real amount that's, that's correct here? It's not an easy thing to kind of decide and then keep consistent from case to case. Is this something that you, is this something that you deal with in court? Is it, are you part of these processes? Yeah, yeah, what, I've had a couple of cases like this um, where people have gotten imprisoned for an OWI homicide. Uh, I think we've also had a few cases where people got probation for it. Um, and again, a lot depends on just the facts of the case, um, the circumstances of the crash. Um, there was one individual that was going. Uh, very drunk on a highway and hit a car with, I think, five young women in it, and, and one of them died. There was another one that was driving a dump truck uh, on the interstate when there was some construction going on on the bridge and killed an individual. Um, those people got prison, but then there's people who have maybe had an accident. Their passenger is one who died, and they were their best friend, and those people have maybe gotten probation or lesser prison just because it's kind of seen as a different kind of case. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I, I know that if we had enough people, put them in a room and give them five or six cases, you'd end up having just very wide range of ideas of what people should get. It's it's not an easy thing to come up with a number that would satisfy everyone. Yeah, and OWI is just one of those weird things, and I don't know if it's just Wisconsin, but so, every once in a while, the state patrol sends me updates. Uh, they arrest somebody, and it's like they're six OWI. I remember seeing stories where somebody's had, I, I want to say, 14, 15, or 16 OWIs. I, I want to say that number is like the most that that the, ever in the state but like i just like how is this person even out and about it just seems like once you get i don't i don't know what the number is but at 15 i'm pretty sure that you shouldn't be out and about 15 owis yeah and it's frustrating for everybody but you know there's people that you know even if you get if you get an owi without hurting somebody you know even get the maximum you know say you give somebody five years or even 10 years they can do that time get out and still go back to driving and if you live long enough you can, you know, have these cases go back through your whole life. There could be a lot in a person's lifetime. The other thing is people sometimes, I think, they assume that that's all, like, that'll happen, like, in Lacrosse County. Mm-hmm. But maybe the first three were in Arizona back in the, you know, 80s. Maybe right. the next were in Minnesota. The next were in Illinois. Now we're in Wisconsin. And so it's not always the same, like, court, the same law that's doing it. And it's one of the most frustrating crimes because it's completely preventable. Um, you know, even people have a, an addiction they still don't have to get behind the wheel of a car, you know, especially in lacrosse. You can walk almost anywhere to a bar here um, and drink, but getting behind the wheel of a car is something that's completely preventable. Before you go out that night, you could have a plan that you're not going to drive, and it's just so frustrating when people who are completely innocent get hurt by those people. It's just it's very frustrating and, and aggravating to deal with that. Over yeah. and over and over again. And it's got to be, and I, you know, asking you in the in the break this too the. So I don't know what the number is. If it's your second OWI, your third OWI, you shouldn't be able to drink again. Like that should be the cutoff. But is it is it uh, nearly impossible to keep someone from drinking? Because you can give them, 
Uh, you can put a, a thing on their ankle, right, to figure out where they are, and then you could do random, uh, I don't know, drinking tests or something, but it's it's still just pretty impossible to keep someone from drinking, huh? Yeah, you, you can order people not to do things, but that doesn't mean they won't do it. So they might be ordered not to drink, ordered not to drive, but you know, if they have a relapse and go out and get drunk and get behind the wheel of a car, they'll get punished for it, but it doesn't exactly stop them from doing it in the first place. Um, and so there's a number of strategies you use to try to lessen those people's ability to, you know, get behind the wheel of a car. You have uh, ignition interlock devices. You provide treatment. Hopefully the treatment will take. Uh, you provide resources. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if, at the end of the day, if people are bound and determined to get alcohol in a car, it's not that hard to find both of them. Just another reason why we need uh, automated cars, I think. That would take uh, all the, the problems away, I think. Yeah, Dry, uh, driverless cars, yeah. Yeah, driverless cars. Six, 608-785-7914, Lacrosse County District Attorney Tim Grinke in here. All right, so we just obviously went through the midterms. Um, we had a couple of stories heading into this where where people were requesting, in, in Wisconsin, a couple different people were in just recently, somebody requested military absentee ballots and then sent them to like the one of the Republicans in, in, in state office. I think she's in charge of elections in some regard. Um, and we had another one, I think, in Kenosha County, request a bunch of absentee ballots, including for Assembly Speaker Robin Voss, and then take them to the sheriff or in the, in the county and say, hey, look, see, this is how easy it is to, I don't know, what's the weirdest, uh, is, have you gotten any weird election fraud cases in La Crosse County? We, well, yes, we've had every election, we'll have at least a couple of cases that at least need to be looked into. Um, I would say most of them are not intentionally fraud. And what I mean by that is we've had people who have voted in the wrong uh, district. Um, we've had people, unfortunately, sadly, have dementia and have had, they voted once by absentee for God and then tried to vote in person. Um, and it didn't work. They got caught. But it's, you know, somebody very, very elderly with dementia, it's kind of hard to, you know, charge them with a felony and, you know, do anything about that. Um, sometimes when people have juniors and seniors, um, you know, John Doe Jr. votes and John Doe Sr. votes and they get the same address. It looks like John Doe voted twice until he realized, oh, it's two different people. Um, in this area of the country, we have some very common names like Olson and Nelson. And uh, take a common name like Amy Olson. They voted once here in Wisconsin and once in Minnesota, same middle initial, same date of birth. And not until you dig further, you realize it really is two different people, just very common name same date of birth. Um, so the system does catch things like that, and it takes them looking into to figure out what really happened. Um, but that's why I say most of the time when we found people, it hasn't been like some intentional scheme, but certainly people have voted in the wrong place, uh, voted twice or tried to vote twice, or maybe the ordinary absentee and then didn't use it, voted in person, and it gets flagged, but there's an explanation. So strange things happen, but we don't have... A lot of them, you know, five to ten each election usually that need to get looked into. Yeah, and then you you said you had you had some, you know, those are almost accidental. Are there any intentional, or do you have a story there where they're, yep, this person was trying to vote intentionally, uh, um, illegally? Yeah, we had we've had one or two people that have voted after they've been convicted of a felony and still on probation, and we think that was intentional. There was one individual that for some reason was using a West Salem address to vote. But it was clearly just an empty lot that wasn't a residence, and they actually lived in Minnesota, 
and we charge that person. So there have been a couple that have been intentional, um, but those are, you know, less than 10 that I've seen in my career. Um, it's more common to have some sort of explanation or, um, or excuse. But we have had a couple that have, it seems like they've tried to um, do something. We've never had someone try to vote twice that I can remember, like intentionally, like tried to vote in one place and then quick try to vote again or in a different name or another place. Um, I don't remember that happening. Well, and these people taking out absentee ballots for for a bunch of people that other people is is you know, and then it gets it gets flagged. So it's not like uh, it's not like we're not catching those people doing this stuff. So yeah, uh, the, good, the good news on that is that you can see the system does catch those people. Um, the bad news is we have people trying to do that. It's it. I would just advise people it's not a good way to make a point by committing a crime. Um, try to find some other way to make your points. But the good news is they do get caught. It does get flagged. You know, I think the system does work enough so that even, like I said, if it's close, you've got a junior and senior, you've got the same name, if it's close enough, we do get it flagged and look into it. And more often than not, it turns out to be just a similar name or uh, people with just similar-looking names and addresses. But it does flag it. All right, last thing uh, before I let you go here. the We're still talking about creating a community policing board. Um, and you gave me some stats a couple of years ago. Well, f- what would it be four, four years ago, maybe five years ago, where uh, it, it just kind of looks into the disparities of police arrest rates. So back in 2018, the black population in La Crosse County, 1.4%, but the arrested population of black people in La Crosse County was 20%. So numbers like that. Um, this is something you guys might look into doing again, because it seems like this. maybe we should have stats like this every year. Yes, um, the 2018 is the last time we did kind of an extensive review of the whole county. Um, and then just for a variety of reasons, part of it probably being COVID, um, we haven't been tracking them recently to know what the number would be today. But uh, the Criminal Justice Management Council is the group that developed those numbers in 2018. And then this week, actually on the agenda, is to decide how to kind of get back into that data and see where we're at today, if we've made a difference, if it's gotten better or worse, or what. So um, that's something we need to kind of get back into and look at again and see where we're at. And the Criminal Justice Management Council, you guys meet every month. It's a it's a county-wide thing, right? And then there's... Yep. Uh, can you just break down who's all involved in those meetings? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a county. It's actually a subcommittee of the county board. It meets uh, every month, third Wednesday of the month from 5 to 6.30, and it's made up of the stakeholders in the system, so the DA, public defender, judge, sheriff, uh, city police, uh, Department of Corrections. Um, and there are some county board members on there, and then there are some citizen members uh, representing different groups in the community to give input. And so it's about 20, 22 people that try to um, just solve problems in the criminal justice system. Uh, it varies topic to topic, year to year. Lately, we've been diving into mental health in the criminal justice system and trying to find more solutions to the people that have mental illness that are in our system. Um, but also another one of our topics ongoing is the disparity in our system and trying to see what we can do to fix that or make that better, I guess. Yeah, and I think part of the part of along those lines is as is having a community police board. And this seems like we've been talking about this for for a couple of years, if not longer. Um, is there a timeline here, or is there any kind of, like, can you give us an update of where we're at with something like that? Um, yeah, so I'm not part of that committee, but I can just tell you that they're still meeting. I don't know if there's a timeline or not. I don't think there is, like, an end time. 
Um, but they've been going through different topics um, relating to policing and what a police board would look like. Um, I spoke at the last meeting to try to just give my perspective from the DA's office on uh, issues that people come to me about with policing in La Crosse County. Um, and as far as I know, they're continuing to meet. I don't know if there's a time frame or a deadline. I, I don't think so. But they're continuing to meet uh, monthly. Yeah, this is something they did in Madison, and I think it took them years to, to create. So it's not like... Yes. It's yeah. not, and it's something that we can be patient with and, and really think through and, and talk to everybody we need to talk to to, uh, to make this thing as, and then tweak it as, as we go, I'm sure. It's, it's complicated. There's a lot of um, layers to that. Uh, they did do it in Madison, but it was a city of Madison, so one jurisdiction made it a little bit easier, I think. Um, and it's, there's other similar types of boards around the country. It's not uh, like a totally new idea. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of difficulties to work out and a lot of questions that would need to be answered. And, uh, you know, I, I, I hope they're making progress, and, um, you know, I hope they come up with a good product in the end if they can work out all the difficulties that they're having with uh, people right now. Um, but, yeah, hopefully we can have a product at the end that people are satisfied with. John, John texts in. He's kind of an interesting take here. And this would, this would take a little bit more than – so when we go to looking at uh, racial divides or racial disparities in arrest rates, uh, John said it would be interesting to see those stats coming up based on just – not on just race, but economic status. Uh, it would take a little bit more uh, – you, you would have to ask these people, would you arrest them what their economic status is? But it would be interesting to know, right, to, yeah. to see uh, you know, uh, what, where they are at on that ladder – uh, based on arrest rates, yeah, there's. Um, Is there a way to do that? There's. I. I don't know how you would break that down or how you even get that information, but it, I'm sure there would be some interesting findings. Um, now, if you think about it, there's certain crimes that almost require a little bit of money to commit. So, like OWIs, you've got to have at least money to afford a car. Um, embezzlements, you've got to at least have the job to embezzle from. And so, there are some crimes that you know it'd be skewed towards people who have actually money. And a lot of people think that poverty leads to, like, more thefts or more property crimes, but I don't know if I really see that. Um, but it would be interesting to see, yes, economic status. I also think mental health would be interesting to see. Um, I also think uh, the time period you're out of residence would be interesting to see, like how stable you are in your housing, because um, all those are factors in um, policing and arrests and things like that. So, the, the- yeah, there's more than one variable that affects um, arrest than just race. but a, a judge has to determine this based, to set like parole and bond and stuff like that, right? Yes. So they, they would kind of know, I mean, once you get through, through the initial court phase, right? Yeah, they get a little, we get a little bit of information from people about their um, income, especially ones who apply for a public defender. I mean, by definition, they're indigent if they qualify for a public defender. So some of that would be available. Um, the other question would be is what's, what knowledge do the police have? on their economic status, because race, you can see somebody's race, but economic status may be a little bit different. But, yeah, some of it's available. Um, it would take a lot of digging probably to figure out how to capture that. Yeah. I don't know if there's one place where we capture that right now. All right. That's Lacrosse County District Attorney Tim Grinke. Hey, Tim, thanks for spending an hour with us. No problem. All right. got to take a, one more quick break. We'll wrap up. All right, that's going to wrap it up. I, I did uh, appreciate that text from, from John just about the economics. It was always interesting to, you know, just if you look at the economics, just in getting a speeding ticket, somebody that's, that's making, you know, $25,000 a year versus somebody that's making a million dollars a year, 
uh, a $200 speeding ticket is going to affect their lives drastically different. So why do we have these like set in stone numbers like that? Maybe we should be thinking about that as well. All right. We'll see you tomorrow.